Welcome back to Canucks Talk. Josh Elliott, Wolf, Thomas Drantz here with you for another half hour here on Sportsnet 650. You can text in 650-650, the Dunbar Lumber text line. Canucks Talk brought to you by Avenue Machinery and Douglas Lake Equipment. Be a champion on the worksite. Find them together online at dleamc.com. And also, Jampro, the leaders in commercial cleaning and janitorial. If your workplace demands a clean environment, contact Jampro for a free, no-obligation quote. Visit janpro.ca. So the Canucks had an optional skate at 12.30, and that's why we pushed the whiteboard back to this segment. But let's get into it right now. All right now, fellas. Hey, let's focus up, huh? So it's time for the whiteboard, your daily deep dive into what is up with the Canucks. And we'll start with the headlines. So Canucks yesterday losing their fourth in a row. First four-game losing streak of the year, 5-2 in Seattle. Power play, 1-for-28. Things are uh, – it's it's a big test right now. Adversity has hit, and people aren't loving it right now, Drance. No. Four in a row, and their worst performance in that sequence – Happens last night in Seattle, Rick Tockett blasting the team, calling it a comedy of errors, describing their compete level as disturbing, um, among other colorful bits of commentary. He also suggested, by the way, notably, that his players needed to show some B-A-L-L-S, and he spelled it, um, when clearing the puck. So uh, definitely some harsh commentary from Rick Tockett, and, and I thought notable, too, that him and Adam Foote and his coaching staff, or at least the main um, figures in the coaching staff, weren't present at the Canucks' optional practice out at UBC today. Um, you know, talk, it tends to have a pretty good sense of, of when to be around and when to be absent as a head coach, clearly deciding to be absent today after everything that transpired last night will be on the players to figure it out going into a really tough spot at home against Boston tomorrow afternoon. Yeah, and that, that's one thing with Tockett. We've, he's always seemed to have a very good handle on what these players need at a given time. And anytime there's been a pivotal moment, he seemed to uh, push the right buttons. And we'll see how this one pans out um, tomorrow. And who knows, like maybe he's still having talks with, with these guys and stuff behind the scenes, not being at optional skate. But yeah, Tockett was not very happy last night. And um he, uh, he suggested, so like the Fanatics pants, have a bit more balls for uh, for the Canucks when they're clear. <laughs> yeah, the, 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 the Canucks performed like Fanatics pants last night. Uh, it was a see-through translucent showing in Seattle. Um, <laughs> truly, though, truly, though, I think the other headline that is worth noting here is, you know, JT Miller scores again. He's yeah. got six goals uh, in five games, or sorry, six goals in four games in this losing streak. And and I do think that's the other factor. You know, Pedersen's come under a lot of criticism here, and I think we should spotlight that because it's really a primary talking point. Our inbox is filling up. It's like all Pedersen stuff right now. It's all Pedersen stuff, and we'll get into it a little bit more in the broadsheet. Um, but it's all Pedersen stuff. There's a lot of criticism, and I think that's amplified too because right now everything's going in for JT Miller even as the team's sagging and, you know, 
not that Pedersen's been poor or anything. I mean, he had that great goal against Minnesota, but, um, you know, I, I think that's also amping it up. It's like the, the continued contractual uncertainty, the fact that the team itself has played frustrating hockey over the course of the past week, and the fact that this team's other top six centerman is Johnny on the spot every single game. I think all of that's sort of creating this headwind. Uh, that's resulting in a, a pretty negative conversational space and a deeply unfair one, in my view, uh, around Elias Pettersson. For sure. I agree. And But yeah, JT Miller in these these last few games has been excellent, just hasn't been enough for the Canucks to win. Did you want to move on to the broadsheet now? Yeah, well, I think the broadsheet deserves to be focused on. So yeah. yesterday, uh, David Pagnotta of the fourth period reported that there'd been an offer made to Elias Pettersson, $12 million per over eight years. Uh, the offer had neither been accepted nor rejected. Uh, and, Was you know, on Pettersson's... The yeah, on the table, and Pettersson's stance remained uh, overall that he wanted to wait until after the season, which has been sort of the standard operating procedure, the, the posture that both sides have been in ever since Pettersson talked to Elliot Friedman on a boat. Uh, Elliot chimed in about the report, on the 32 Thoughts pod today, noting uh, that he didn't like have any proof. So I'm paraphrasing here that an offer had been made. Um, he wasn't contesting the information so much as he said he didn't have proof of that. And that what he believed is that the Canucks had made it very clear that Pedersen, uh, they're willing to pay him an awful lot of money. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're willing to do it uh, whenever Pedersen's go ahead arrives, but that that still hasn't come yet. So, you know, things have been quiet around these two sides since the All-Star break. I think there was maybe some latent hope that they were negotiating in the background. Uh, Friedman's latest information doesn't seem to suggest that, um, you know, the talks are ongoing. Although, again, uh, speculation loves a vacuum and all we've ever had in terms of Pedersen uh, talks and updates on it is vacuum stuff. Um Dollywall, by the way, Rick Dollywall, our, our crossover colleague, appeared on Halford and Bruff earlier this morning and, and noted he contested the report a little bit more firmly, saying that it, it's not accurate and he'd never seen his sources that upset by a report. So I think there's a lot to unpack here. I want to start with this. As a thought exercise, okay, 12 times 8. Seems like a lot, right? Like, that seems like a hefty salary. I, I mean, it would make Pedersen what? the If Pedersen were to sign 12 million times eight, it would make him, you know, one of the highest paid players in the league. There's only two players currently in the NHL, Nathan McKinnon and Connor McDavid, with cap hits above 12. So it'd make him the third highest paid player in the league. Here's the thing, though. The cap's going to be $87.5 million in Pedersen's final year of restricted free agency. If he kicks the can down the road by accepting like an $8.8 million qualifying offer and playing another year, um, the cap, he could hit unrestricted free agency as like a three-time 40-goal, 100-point guy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Centerman at the age of 26. Elite in a world where the guy. Yeah, two, with two-way value in a world where the cap's at like $92.5, $93 million. Mm-hmm. I mean... 12 million that's the the thing about this that's the reaction to this report and we've sort of gone over you know the the it's been contested by some sources it hasn't been contested by others but uh you know Friedman certainly suggests that 
Uh, it's maybe not been so well developed for a firm offer to be on the table. Mm-hmm. In any event, I think it's important to note when you think about this and you think about it from the player's perspective, just from a business case, right? This isn't about like the commitment or, or any of those st- the things that fans care more about, just from a business side. Where Pedersen's at right now, where he's gotten to at this juncture and how close he is to restricted free agency, to the options that open up to him this summer, which are limited by the team's control, and the prospect of of maybe even driving yourself all the way to unrestricted free agency at the age of 26, um, 8 times 12 isn't a slam dunk. Like, there is a there is absolutely a way to do a, not just better than that, but like a lot better than that given the unique dynamics at play in this situation. I just think it's worth stepping back and without insider information or or anything beyond just what we know and, and what we know about the overall dynamics of the situation, taking a deep breath and understanding, like, don't take it personally, you know, like, what the, even if this report were true, there'd be, like, sensible business reasons, in my view anyway, for a player to prefer to wait. Yeah. Period. Okay. So like, you're saying I, I it's not a, say. not a slam dunk for Pedersen side. I, I, like, it seems like huge money. And yeah. yet when you actually, like, think about it, it's really not the slam dunk that it feels like emotionally. So, yeah, you know? what, what I will say, and I, I completely agree. Like, if 12 by 8, I feel like the Canucks would jump at at this point. I don't think Pedersen is. And that's obvious. Like, if this was even on the table or, or a concept that they were talking about, I feel like if, if Pedersen was into it, it, w- it would be done right now. And when you talk about, hey, the cap's going up next year and he could be a UFA next year, even if he's looking at 14% of the cap, right? Let's say it's a $93 million cap next season. That's an extra million dollars per year. Um, and that's something that like a- – and that's not including that he's going to be a UFA. Teams are going to be bidding on top of each other. Like it's going to get – insane if he gets to ufa especially if if he has another year next year like he did this year i don't know i i i can see why people look at a 12 million dollar cap hit i completely get it and they're like wow that's a lot but i feel like every time that happens with an elite player two years down the road you're like wow petterson or whatever player is on such yeah, a great a steal. deal yeah yeah short short of a like revenue sapping pandemic that ushers in five years of flat salary cap a flat salary cap environment um, those deals are always steals, and and they always become like passe, out of date, uh, in record time. Um, so anyway, I just wanted to go through that because that was one of my first reactions to the reaction to the report. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I wanted to unpack the best information from Friedman uh, and Dolly Wall reacting to the Pinata report, and then also just editorialize with sort of the the bigger business case, like outside the control of Rutherford and Alvin. And outside the control, frankly, of Pedersen and his representatives with Creative Artists Agency, most of, you know, who, whose clients usually prefer security to, to taking the home run cut. Like, there is a, an actual business case for a player in Pedersen's unique circumstance to wait. And uh, I, just, I just figured I'd note that prominently as we continue to get battered by the occasional sort of, like, um, eruptions of Pedersen's speculation. For sure. Uh, so that's the broadsheet. I don't think there's really anything that I saw, at least in regards to any trade rumors, even around the league nope. right now. It's it's pretty dry. So I think uh, lineup notes. It's quiet. Yeah, it's quiet. And hey, 
maybe quiet is a good thing, but probably not. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> lineup notes. Yeah, no, we want action, man. We want action, but sometimes it's like, hey, it's really quiet, and then a trade happens. But Yeah, that's true. Um, lineup Let's notes. Go. So, not optional skate today. It looked like it was going to be practice, and then it was just an optional skate. Um, so, we didn't get any idea of what the new look lines could look like if there were new look lines. What we did see last night, though, near the tail end of the game, was I'm trying to remember. It was Arshdeep Baines with JT Miller and Connor Garland on the right wing. And then the other line was Elias Pettersson, Elias Lindholm, and um, Brock Besser. So I wonder if, because that's when they kind of started coming on to in the final 10 minutes and score effects, all that, you're loading up your lines. But I do wonder if that's something they explore if they're looking for a bigger shakeup in the top six. And Connor Garland, especially because that third line hasn't been producing at nearly the same rate since Dakota Joshua has been out, I do think he would be interesting in the top six. Yeah, I mean, I've been talking about Garland as a break glass in case of emergency option to bump up the lineup. Rick Tockett has talked about considering it. Um, they've now lost four in a row. Like, if you're going to move him at some point, this is the this is the point. Um, we did see him play with Miller. We did see the lines get put in a blender. Um, you know, Patterson, Hoaglander, Besser was a thing we saw for a bit. Um, you know, if you put Garland up with Miller, uh, do you throw Lindholm on a third line? Do you, do you try and get a, uh, maybe a different look, maybe more of a two-way line uh, out of your third line to just try and sort of um, plug the gap, like plug the hole effectively yeah. that the Canucks are, are uh, taking on at the moment like they're taking on water can that help bail out the boat i'm i'm searching for a metaphor and really failing so uh bail out the boat here uh by by a look like that I, I won't i won't be surprised i won't be surprised to see the canucks try something pretty radical and garland up the lineup is the most obvious solution especially given that we kind of saw the club tinker with it while tr while trying to make a third period push last night one thing we've seen in the text box as well on twitter a lot of suggestions of going back to the lotto line do you think that's something worth exploring here and Maybe. i i think that leaves uh, you with like lindholm garland Hoaglander on your on your second line, maybe Suter, something like that. A little small. Yeah. Uh, do you have enough size to do it? Like, do you really have enough size to play um, Besser and Miller together? And then who plays with Hoaglander? Does, does he have – or sorry, with Lindholm, does he have enough size on a second line? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm okay with seeing the, what the lotto line can do, like seeing what the lotto line can do and then playing Lindholm with Garland and um, a guy – I mean, sure, I, I I have time for it, but I suspect that's not going to be answer one. I think we're going to see Garland go up the lineup first. Onto the playoffs. I guess Baines would be the answer. Oh, Baines, yeah, Lindholm, forgot about Garland. Baines. Yeah. So, yeah, <laughs> forgot about Baines. He was good the, uh, yesterday, famous, too. He was good, but that's also a famous Dr. Dre track. Um, the uh, the <laughs> um, overall, uh, yeah. So, look, I have time for that, too. That could be a possible solution. Uh, I think – I want to see Garland play up lineup. I want to see him play with JT Miller, especially with JT Miller's shot playing so well of late. I think there's, um, you know, some positive AV, the EV the Canucks could capture with, with that kind of alignment. Uh, onto the playoff forecast. So Canucks lose yesterday. The only other game uh, of note in regards to the Pacific division race, because Edmonton wasn't playing was uh, Kings blow it. The Kings or yeah. And the golden Knights, they lose as well. The, uh, the, the Golden Knights have the 24th best record since the new year. 
blew me away. Really? 24? Yeah, like they're bottling it. Hmm. They need Eichel back. Yeah, they really have struggled. It's um, it's going to be interesting. Like, I, I do think, you know, we've been looking at it like Vegas uh, and – and Edmonton are in some order locked into two, three in the, in the Pacific. But I do think the Vegas struggles have kind of opened the door for the Kings to get back into that two, three mix. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. It's a lot closer than I thought it would have been even a month ago, but in regards to Dom decisions model over at the athletic for playoff odds, the Canucks down to 56% to win the Pacific division Edmonton up to 35%. Vegas down to five. So the Canucks projected for 108 points. Edmonton projected for 106. And then in in terms of the Western Conference, Dallas at 110, Winnipeg at 109. Yeah, and I just want to note too, the um, Edmonton Oilers face have a back-to-back set here uh, tonight against, I think it's Arizona, and then tomorrow Calgary. Um, no, it's Minnesota tonight. Minnesota yeah. tonight and then uh, and then Calgary tomorrow. And, uh, you know, it's going to be really interesting, right? Like, it it feels like today the Canucks have a 12-point lead over the Oilers who have six games in hand and there's one head-to-head remaining against the Canucks. You know, the results, like, with how things have gone for the Canucks, I mean, if you wake up on – you know, on, on Sunday morning and it's a nine-point gap with with five games in hand, that's going to feel a certain way. So – I'm really curious to see how this plays out here. Uh, even the next 48 hours feel like uh, big huge. in terms of setting up this uh, Pacific Division stretch run. Edmonton, by the way, so you mentioned this back-to-back. Every week for the rest of the season, they have a back-to-back aside from one week. So mm. things are getting really, really compact for the Oilers as the as the season goes on here. Six games in hand. That's so many games to make up in such a short amount of time. Yeah, it's – uh. It's, I mean, it's, it's one of those things, like it's an edge in that it opens the door for them to, you know, it, it, it's an edge in that it opens the door for the Oilers to close ground quickly. And it's a disadvantage in that it's going to run them ragged over the balance of the campaign. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, just one to track overall, uh, just want to talk about the playoff odds here or the gambling odds here. And the main one that I'm tracking my, my basic obsession now between now and the balance of the season is the Edmonton Oilers Canucks Pacific division race Canucks down from, they've been at like minus 500 at times, but they're down to minus 200 to win the Pacific division. So still favored uh, pretty significantly, like 66% uh, implied probability there. Um, Edmonton Oilers plus 230 mm-hmm. plus 230 to, to win the Pacific division. It's tightening up. The Canucks have left the door open by fading this past week. They can shut it firmly. However, by getting back on track beginning Saturday afternoon against Boston. So tomorrow afternoon, 4 o'clock, the Canucks taking on the Bruins, and then then Penguins and Kings next week. Canucks, hey, I I will say, if you're going to get right against a team that's going to give you some energy, especially because Boston's kind of the team that started your your spiral here, getting right against Boston would would be pretty big for the Canucks. And people love it. Yeah, well, it's it's a game that Canucks fans, you know, will bring the energy for. Bruins fans also travel pretty well. Uh, unfortunately, Rogers Arena grounds is uh, is hallowed grounds for for Bruins fans, so mm-hmm. uh, you hate that, by the way. Yeah. Um, so it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be an interesting environment, 
and it's a big one. Like, the Canucks need to get a win here. They need to get a point here. They just need something positive. You know, it's one of those, sometimes things start just going against your team, and, you know, it, what pulls you out of it might, might not even be a win, right? Like, it might be battling back from a 3 nothing defeat, and you fall short, but it sets the stage for you to get back on track, or it might be an overtime loss or whatever. Um, but the Canucks just need something positive out of that game tomorrow. Definitely. Uh, that is the whiteboard on Canucks Talk. Uh, Jamie should be back next week. Not sure what's going on with the, the morning show, but Jamie should be back next week with Thomas Drantz. Appreciate uh, you guys having me fill in. Thank you to Drantz. Thank you. To- now you killed it, man. We loved having you. You did way more than just read the ads. <laughs> Thank you. That was the bar, though. And I, I <laughs> No, no, no. You, you more than cleared it. You're, you're a pleasure to have on as a host. Thanks for, uh, thanks for chipping in, bud. Uh, appreciate it. Thanks to Lena as well. Thanks to Elon producing. This has been Canucks Talk on Sportsnet 650.